Notice in our last verse today, and notice Joseph, he did not know her. That's just a King James phrase of saying he didn't have physical intimacy with her. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, but he did know her afterwards, right? Jesus had brothers and sisters. Matthew tells us. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The words did not know her till imply that Joseph and Mary had normal marital relations after Jesus' birth. This emphasizes that Jesus was conceived miraculously. Matthew wants to make Jesus' virginal conception quite unambiguous, for he adds that Joseph had no sexual relation with Mary until she gave birth to Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 1 in the Gospel of Matthew. But it says that, uh, when, now when they had departed from Bethlehem, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, notice, again, in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you word, because Herod is going to seek the young child to destroy him. And so he arose. He took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. And notice, Joseph did these things. And were these things easy, do you think? Do you think this was a crisis of obedience? I think it was. He was very comfortable in Nazareth with his carpentry business. And now he has to come down because of a, uh, a taxation that, uh, in, in, a, in a census. He has to return to Bethlehem for a season. But while he's in Bethlehem, the Lord tells him, hey, you better go to Egypt because Herod is going to seek to kill the child. So now he leaves everything in the north that he's been grown up with. He's, he leaves that and now goes even further southwest to Egypt with this very uh, this young mother and this young child who is now a toddler. And Joseph understood the Old Testament. Many of the Old Testament scriptures told about God not being pleased with the Israelites lending or, or leaning on the hand of Egypt. There's plenty of scriptures about that. So Joseph knew that. Lord, why do you want me to go there? They're pagans. Why do you want me to go to Egypt? Why do you want me to go back to the world? But notice, he did it. He didn't ask questions. He didn't argue with God. And notice, Joseph would have to leave his home in Nazareth, his, his business, and take whatever they could carry on mules. And now he's traveling in the dust and the heat and the, the road is difficult with a, with a mother who now has a very young child. None of this was convenient. None of this was convenient. In fact, it was a crisis of obedience again. 
Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to quickly read about another crisis of obedience. This is a passage that we all know extremely well, especially if you've been in this church for any number of years. Genesis 22. It's when God speaks to Abraham, and Abraham is going to offer Isaac up on an altar. Notice what it says. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now this was a huge crisis of obedience for Abraham. And why is that? Because by offering his son as a burnt offering, Abraham would be killing the one to whom God had promised Abraham five chapters prior. You might want to put in your margin of your Bible Genesis 17, uh, verses 15 through 19, because what did God tell Abraham five chapters prior to this? This is what he said. God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her, and then I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of all nations, a mother of nations, excuse me, kings of peoples shall be from her. And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old, and shall Sarah who was 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish, notice, Isaac, I will establish, Abraham, my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants, notice that, his descendants after him. So Abraham knew that as he's about to thrust that knife into his son's chest, that God's got a problem. And the thing that I really marvel at is that Abraham knew the voice of God and had this relationship with God such that when God spoke to him, even though it was against everything in him, because Abraham certainly knew that the the Amorites, the Canaanites, this is exactly the things that they were doing. Postpartum abortions, that's what they were doing as part of their worship service. And Abraham knew that. God, how can you tell me to take my son and offer him like all the pagans? But I know your voice. I know your voice. So I'm going to do it. I don't get it. I don't like it. But Lord, if you are going to allow this to happen, then you've got to do a greater miracle and raise him from the dead because, God, you've made wonderful, precious promises to me. And I know that your promises cannot fail. So I'm going to go through with this. And God just loved this man. Friend of God. He knew the voice, and he went through with it. And you know what happened. As he was about to do it, God intervened and said, now I know. Of course God knew all along, but Abraham had to go through this crisis of obedience. He had to go through this crisis of listening to God when everything else is screaming, what are you doing? This is not right. Don't do it. And so right as he's about to do it, God intervenes and he brings a 
brings to Abraham's attention a ram, and he says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. In the mount of the Lord shall be, it shall be seen, because on that very same mountain range, perhaps even that same spot, that would be interesting, in that same area, several thousand years in the future from that moment, God the Father would offer his son on the cross, except this time he wouldn't withhold the blade And of course, Jesus was hung. He was crucified. But then, it was almost like a trial run. God was giving a foreshadowing of these things. And this is a crisis of obedience. Think of parents, if if you've only got one child, or even if you've got several, if God said to you, take your child. I mean, this is the way we have to put this. If you know the voice of God, and the voice of God spoke to you so clearly, and he said to you, this is what I want you to do, would you do it? I'll be honest with you right now, I would probably fail. God told me to sacrifice my daughter. I'm going to need a lot of reinforcements. Lord, can you just show a sign in the clouds? You know, write, Rob, I love you. In the clouds. Lord, when, and, and throw, I'll be throwing out all these fleeces. I'd just be tossing them everywhere. And Lord, if this happens, then I know that you really meant it. If, if, you know, if, I, if I step on a, a, something on the ground, I look down, it's a, it's a Powerball lottery ticket, and I win. Then I'll know that you spoke to me. If I, if I do this and I do that, and then I'll know. And, and, and God is like, all I did to do was speak to Abraham. And Abraham just did it. Now, I'm not uh, anticipating and I'm not encouraging anybody to do this kind of thing. <laughs> but... God spoke to him, and it was totally something that racked Abraham to a point. And and finally, he just said, okay, Lord, you've made the promises. I believe your promises. I'm going to follow through with it. I don't understand it. You're going to have to do something really awesome, but you're God. I'm not, and so I'm just going going to obey you when everything else is screaming inside of me. And everyone else around you would be screaming the same thing. It doesn't make sense. It's not common sense. It's wrong to do that. Now, this is an extenuating circumstances, and I don't think God does this a lot, okay? So don't uh, run with this. Uh, This was a, God was showing something in a type here. But this word, it says in verse 18, it says, In your seed all the generations of the earth shall be blessed, Abraham, because you have obeyed my voice. The same word seed is the same one that we saw in Genesis 3.15 about the seed of the woman. This is the same exact word. And so we're supposed to see that and link those two verses together. And it certainly would include Jacob and you know Isaac and Jacob and then Judah, King David, all the way down into Jesus um, being born. It certainly includes that as well. But the seed of the woman ultimately is Jesus. And what about Jesus himself? Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden? A crisis of obedience. But Jesus had made up his mind already that he was going to fulfill the will of God. And in fact, as he was in the garden of Gethsemane, remember what had happened. 
He said to his disciples, or he said, then God said, my, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he, on his face and he prayed and he said, oh my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But notice, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, Jesus surrendering. He's never experienced this either, do you understand? He's never experienced physical crucifixion, which in and of itself is the most horrible, painful death that there ever could be. But in addition to that, Jesus has never been separated from his Father ever. Do you think that he knew what was coming? I think he did. I believe that's why he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, because of the pressure that was on him. In the natural, his body's screaming not to go through with this, but he surrendered all of that and says, Lord, your will be done. That is a crisis. Wouldn't you agree? And it says in Philippians that Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Uh, that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Aren't you glad for that? I am. I'm so thankful for the Lord. But see, like Joseph, like Joseph, like Abraham, God may ask you to do something that everyone in your family and even some Christians will look at you and think you're crazy. But this is biblical faith. We've read some passages today. We've looked at that. We've seen even Joseph and Mary's life. And Joseph, against all the things that he would stand for, now he's, being, uh, he's willing to listen to God. And he's willing to entreat God and say, Lord, I, I don't get this at all. How can this be? But Lord, you said it, and I know you're telling me. You you spoke to me, and so I'm going to believe you. I choose to believe you, and I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't even like it, but you know what? I'm going to stay with Mary because I believe what she's telling me is true, and Lord, I believe what you've told me is true. So I've got, I'm going to obey. I'm going to obey. And do you think that was easy when his parents and everyone around in the village of Nazareth is saying, oh, she's a dirty little girl. You're going to take her to be your wife? Joseph, you're better than that. You know what the Bible says. You know what the Old Testament scriptures say. You know what the law says. And now he's being obedient to God. Folks, that's biblical faith. It's not convenient. And it's challenging, isn't it? It challenges me like nobody's business And I expect it to challenge you as well. I do. But I believe that God is inviting us to this if we are willing and if we are led by him to step out of the known and the comfortable and the predictable and go into the unfamiliar, the unknown, and the unpredictable with Christ. Only as he leads you.
Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition. All the things that we read in the scriptures are for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world have come and whatever things were written before were written for our learning notice that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And I don't know about you but there's something wonderful about the word of God because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing. Notice it doesn't say faith comes by seeing. A lot of people saw Jesus. A lot of people saw many things, but they didn't believe even though they saw. But faith comes by hearing and hearing something very specific, hearing the word of God. There's something about God's word that once it takes root in our heart, it builds upon itself and it builds up this bunker in our heart of faith. Notice in our last verse today, and notice Joseph, he did not know her. That's just a King James phrase of saying he didn't have physical intimacy with her. He did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, but he did know her afterwards, right? Jesus had brothers and sisters. Matthew tells us, It came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there, and when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joses, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? So we know there's got to be at least two sisters. Are they not here with us? Where then does this man get all these things? So other than Jesus, Jesus had six other siblings at least. Two of them sisters at least. And two of these men wrote epistles in the New Testament. Judas, who was Jude, and James. His brother, they both came to faith after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. But think about this. Think about what we read today. Certainly the virgin birth is foundational to our Christian faith, but also consider the crisis of obedience that many went through as a result of that and that many of you have gone through crises crises of obedience and and will continue by the way because this is part of our life in Christ we are not exempt from difficulty in and oppression we're not exempt from difficulties and so then it behooves us then doesn't it to draw nearer to Christ, to rely upon his spirit to work in us. It behooves us then to give everything that we have to him. Lord, whatever you want to do, I am yours. Use me in wherever I'm at, whether I'm at the workplace, whether I'm at the gym. Lord, may my life be a a reflection of your grace and love. And may my life, may my lips speak those things that will bring people to Christ. May my lips be the gospel of Jesus Christ. May that be the thing that is on my lips and on my heart. Because from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And may it be true of us saints, and myself included, that wherever we go, wherever we go in this world, may our lips never cease to give and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proclaiming the virgin birth, yes, 
proclaiming Christ. And don't be afraid and ashamed and taken by surprise when you go through various trials and temptations. Don't let it take you by surprise. Just pray. Trust the Lord in through this. He's, he's working in all of us in such wonderful ways. He's building you up. We are a family of God. We are a family. And God is working hard things in all of our lives. And you know what? Let's support one another. Let's love on one another regardless. And you know, we need to be about that, don't we? We need to be about that. Instead of looking at each other with critical eyes, let's look at each other with Christ's eyes and realize that we are all going through a period in our life, and it's a stage. Everybody's got their stage of life that they're going through. Some are new moms. Some are new, newly, newly, they're, they're a brand new mom. They just had a baby. Others have teenagers. Others have kids out of the house. Some are in, you know, postgraduate school. I mean that post-children, everybody's out of the house and now it's just you and your husband. All these different stages. And aren't we growing in each of those stages? Aren't we making mistakes in those stages? Aren't we fumbling a little bit here and there? And you know, it's a great thing when we can come together like this as a church. And we can fellowship. We can hang out with each other. We can share the things that we've learned with others that are um, that maybe haven't been in the Lord as long as we have. Maybe there's experiences that we've experienced that we can share. Let's do that. Let's continue to do that. Because, folks, that's what, that's what the, today is about, partly, is that we can encourage and love one another. Can we do that? Can we? Let's do that. Let's love one another. Let's love one another, regardless of any of those things that would try to separate us in this culture. And there are many things. Don't let them do it. Don't let the world put you in a box. Don't let the world say, well, this person, this type, this group of people, you know, we got to be careful. We got to be careful. We got to be careful with everything, even in our political alignments. You have to be really careful because we can alienate people from Christ just because we're a certain way. We have to be really careful. We have to remember the main thing. And what is the main thing? The main thing is Jesus Christ and him crucified and him resurrected and that we need to come to him. That's the main thing. Shall we stand? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord, and we thank you for your great grace upon our lives. We thank you, Jesus, that you love us Regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our skin color, regardless of anything, Lord, you have called us, Lord, to be your ambassadors. You've called us to be Christ ones. We are Christians. Lord, help us to remember who the battle, uh, or that, that there is a battle raging. And Lord, help us to never, for, never forget who the enemy really is. It's not the people that we see in front of us. And Lord, help us to be the very best examples we can. Even in the midst of our turmoil and our frustration, even our anger, Lord, would you take control of these things in our life? Lord, would you temper them? And only you can do that, Lord. Would you please do that in this family? And would you cleanse us, Lord, and heal us? And pour out your spirit again and use us and help us to love one another, God. The world will know that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. May it be true of us.
In Jesus' name, amen. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.